All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Back on the Road. My name is Rick Smooth. I'm here with Alan Fenstermaker, and Alan is on the road while I'm at my house. Yeah, what's up, what's up? I just got done work right now, just cruising around North Wales. <laughs> he is back on the road, ladies and gentlemen, and I am uh, quarantined. So, uh, yeah, so we are kind of back on the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about all those different icon shows we went to and conventions, because we met a lot of cool people at those shows that, uh, you know, the people at the Pro Wrestling Archives, the fans, um, the people tuning in, they they might not know that we that we met all these people, but um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about like some of the different people that we've met. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, I know like the one time it wasn't necessarily an icons of wrestling, but um, it was another uh, wrestling fest type of thing where I remember um, when I was yeah actually yeah, I was asked to pick up uh, Devon Dudley from uh, the Newark Airport. And um, nice. I, I remember I remember uh, driving over to the airport to pick him up, and then um, he got off the plane. I, I met up with him in the uh, baggage claim area. When I met up with him too, it was the funniest story because he was waiting around for his luggage and it was taking forever for his luggage to come. And uh, neither of us saw his bags coming out on the uh, on the coat thing, where on the thing where the uh, bags come out on by the uh, in baggage claim. And we found out that uh, Devon's baggage. Ended up getting going on to the going on the wrong flight, where like that flight was due into the Newark Airport in a, about an hour later than uh, than than, that, than than it was then. So like me and Devon were just chilling in baggage claim at the Newark Airport for like about an hour, and then wow. yeah, and then after that, me and him like uh, we drove from um, from Newark Airport to. Uh, yeah, down yeah, down to the hotel. It was the funniest story too because this was back when I had the uh, breathalyzer in my car too. I don't have it in my car anymore, but back then I did. And um <laughs> and like Devon like asked me this one question. He was like, Dude, what's that uh, thing that you keep blowing into every once in a while? <laughs> and I was like I, I, just think it, I, I, I think it's funny that like you would blow into it and not tell him what it was before you blew into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, that must have been kind of funny, man, you know? Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, don't, don't, don't you know, it's the, uh, the new blow-and-go special. <laughs> That's what I told him. Oh, man, blow-and-go. Yeah. Unbelievable, man. Yeah, I remember when I met Cornette at that MLW show. It, it was a real brief meeting, but uh, I remember talking to him, and, like, you know, he, he, he couldn't do an interview because his voice was gone from commentating all night. And uh, I remember just telling him, like, uh... Um, oh man, it's, it's good to see you out, you know, and he, and he goes, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, and actually, like, also, too, like, I remember, um, yeah, back in, uh, October this year, actually, October last year, um, I was, uh, working in, uh, in, uh, Trenton at the Cure Insurance Arena as a, as a loader for, uh, for, man, it was a televised WWE show, but it was a, uh, it was a house show where it's only for people that were in attendance, and, um, I remember, like, I was I was standing around in the dock waiting for stuff to, to load up in the truck, and um, uh-huh. I saw Becky Lynch uh, walking from the back where the wrestlers get changed at. She had, like, yeah. her uh, her roller bag with her uh, with her gear in it. She was just wearing her regular street clothes, and my, that wow. was the first impression I saw of her, too, was, like, when she came out, she just uh, came to sit down and was just... Uh, was just playing was just uh playing on her phone waiting for uh waiting for Seth to come out and um yeah. it was kinda cool just getting this I get to see see Becky Lynch like um 
not as her as her character, but as her real life, uh, as who she really is in real life, instead of like uh, who she is on TV and to get and get to meet her and uh, and, and everything, and and then uh, after yeah. and then yeah, then uh, Seth eventually came out, and when Seth came out, um, got to got to meet Seth Rollins backstage there too, like. Uh, but not like cool. Seth Rollins we see on Monday Night Raw, not the Monday Night Raw, Raw uh, Seth Rollins, but who he is in real life, which is, yeah, that was pretty cool. It gave me a, a whole new, uh, yeah, but the only downside about that is, though, since then, like, um, it ruined the, it ruined the whole, uh, his, his character thing for me, because I got, to, because I got to know who he is in real life, so whenever I see him in, uh, in Becky on TV, in their gimmicks, I, I, I think about them as who, who I saw backstage then at the uh, yeah concert. I got you I got you and then was also pretty cool too that same night like um I saw uh, I saw Bray Wyatt backstage too like as he was like uh, leaving as he was getting ready to leave the arena after the show okay nice so I got to meet yeah yeah so I um I remember being at the whatever that convention was in New Jersey I forget what it was called. Um, what, what was that called? Do you know? I forget exactly offhand what it was yeah, called. Yeah, it, it had some crazy name, but I forget what it was. I think it might have just been called WrestleCon or something like that. Um, what was it? I don't know. It, maybe that was what it was called. Maybe it wasn't. But, um, I remember meeting, uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat there. And we had a brief talk. I mean, uh, you know, he was telling me why he didn't want to do interviews. And he said that because if he does this one interview, then everybody's going to, you know, be hitting them up, like, to do more interviews, like, so he doesn't do interviews with really anybody, and, uh, I don't really know if I've ever seen a shoot interview with him, to be honest with you, um, so I don't think he was bullshitting me, but, um, he was pretty cool, actually, like, sitting there talking to him, and, um, I, you know, I don't really recall much of what we talked about, but it was all just very basic, everyday kind of shit, um, and, and I remember Paul Roma, too, because Paul Roma was a couple tables down, and, you know, I, I'm a power and glory guy, like, when they were a tag team, I was like, yo, this is my new favorite tag team, because I think Demolition was over by then, and they had Slick managing them, if I'm not mistaken, and so I've always been a Slick guy since way back, you know, Akeem the Dream, and, and you know, the gang, and Butch Reed and all those guys that he managed, um, Kamala. So, um, yeah, meeting Paul Romo was a treat, man. I, I talked with him for I, I, probably about five minutes. And um, just like with Ricky Steamboat, it wasn't, I, I can't really recall much that we talked about. It was all basic shit. Um, if I was more on my shit at that time, as far as like if I was thinking about questions like we were going to do an interview or something, I would have definitely asked them all about the Power and Glory run and the Young Stallions and, uh, you know, his WCW run. Because, you know, Paul Roma gets a bad rep. Like, he gets a bad rep from guys like Triple H and a bad rep for his Horseman run. But uh, Paul Roma had a good look, and he could, he could high fly, and uh, he was he was big enough to, to be, you know, in there with somebody. I mean, when I say big enough, I mean, like, he was built enough, you know, to be able to be in there with somebody like Hercules, who was, like, a freak of nature as far as his, uh, you know, his, his physique, so. Yeah, like, um, that, and also talking about icons again, too. I still remember the first icons I went to back in, um, December 2018, like, I, I went to the arena just as they were getting, I got there just as they were, uh, closing up and everything, because I know I was, I was up late night the night before setting up, and this is, like, the night before we got together with, uh, Team Philly and everything, I remember I got done work at the Cure Insurance Arena, and as, as I was on, on the train on my way back home from that, I remember, um, 
seeing like Tim Embler post that they need people need people to help out, like setting up at Icon. So I just uh, got off the train in Philly, went over to the arena late night, and uh, was helping them set up and everything. And that's when I met the guys from Team Philly. And then, um, but the next day I got up late because I was up till like four in the morning setting up. So what I ended up doing is um, getting over there, and I saw I ended up um, meeting Draws over there in real life. Wow. And, like. Um, I know, like, I didn't really ask him for a shoot interview because I don't know, like, the, if anybody knows that his uh, accent he had or anything. I wasn't sure if he really wanted to be on camera or anything the, the way that he was right. because I know, like, with these wrestlers, they want to, a lot of times they want the fans to remember them as uh, being larger than life. And um, that's why I kind of, I felt like I'd be exploiting him if I asked him to do an interview. But I just, I just talked yeah. to him backstage and all, too. He was a really cool, down-to-earth guy. And, like, um... Yeah, he, that dude does seem really cool, man. Like, he's one of them guys that, um, you know, he doesn't seem like he's, you know, upset. He's not bitter. Like, I mean, I, I'm not sure it sucks what he's experienced and shit like that with his injury, but, uh, you know, he seems like a real, like, like he's got a real positive attitude, man. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cool, all right. Um, now, I'm trying to think of some other guys that we met at some of these conventions, man. Well, I, I remember good. the Bret Hart... I remember the Bret Hart one at the arena. Um, I didn't really get a chance to talk with him, but I remember the lines for Bret Hart being so fucking long. Like, like I remember, because you, you, you remember how many guys were at that convention. There were so yeah, many superstars yeah. there. And, um, you know, like, you know, guys like Scott Hall and Barry Windham and Harley Race and all these guys. But then... Bret Hart's line for his table was on a whole nother level. I didn't realize how much of a superstar that guy really is when it comes to fans. I mean, they were lining up down the fucking block to see that guy. Yeah, and actually, like, um, I remember, like, back in uh, November when I had the opportunity to work WWE SmackDown as a uh, production crew for that WWE SmackDown. I wasn't actually just a loader like I was at the last one that I talked about. This one at, at SmackDown, I was a... Um, I was actually production crew where I was building the whole uh, the gorilla position and I was building the uh, the whole area backstage where like um, the wrestlers come out from. And I remember like um, as I was uh, as I was grabbing stuff from the loading dock to to build the uh, gorilla position with, um, I saw Triple H walking through the loading dock area. And um, as I was walking as I was back there, like I saw Triple H and I passed by each other and I was. I said hi to him. I was like, "Hey, what's up?" Um, and, and I shook his hand, and I, and he said, "Oh, good job. Keep up the good work." And then it was kind of cool, like because, hey, yeah, as I was back there building the girl position, Triple H just kept kept going back and through there, and like he, uh, yeah, he was telling he was telling us like what he thought about like what we were doing. And um, one thing I remember seeing too, which is pretty dope, like um, I saw the uh, the case that uh, the WWE keeps all of their uh, their their championship belts in there too. So like. I, I got okay. to I got to peek in there. I got to see the universal title. I got to see the intercontinental title, the tag titles. It's just <laughs> pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. And also too, like I saw Braun. I got to see Braun Strowman. Like I was standing right next to him too. And like, for, yeah, he's a big dude because I'm about six foot tall. But when I was standing next to Braun, my head came up to his chest. That goes that goes to show how tall how big he is. I, when someone how tall, how, how tall do you think he was? Like, like you know, it, uh, it, you know, cause they, they always hype him up. They always hype people up a little taller than they are. You know. Let's just say I'm about six foot tall, and like my uh, head came up to Braun Strowman's chest. So, so maybe like what six foot 
ten or like six foot eight or like probably about that, yeah, because you figure like um I know, like I was actually looking up to him too. Like I kinda felt like I kinda felt like I was Ian Short, like looking up to him. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but then um, also like I remember like back then yeah, back when I was doing that too, like I got to I got to meet Michael I got to see Michael Cole back there getting ready to to go in to do his thing with, as a commentator. He was wearing one of his goofy suits that he wears, and then John Laurinaitis, I saw him walking back there to grow a position. I even, like, uh, I didn't even, I almost didn't recognize her at first because she wasn't actually, like, dressed up like she normally is on TV. She was mainly just wearing, like, a pair, just, like, her backstage uh, clothes, but I guess I got to see uh, Stephanie McMahon, too. Wow. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, it was pretty wild, and, uh, Nikki Cross, like, dude, Nikki Cross, like, she was really, uh, down to earth and cool as shit back, backstage, like, yeah, like, when, uh, when I was back where the, uh, wrestlers get all their coffee and all, too, because they, they use the same catering area for the workers, for the production crew, as they did for the, for the wrestlers, too, and, like, I, I remember, like, I was getting a cup of coffee before starting the, uh, the, the loadout shift, and Nikki Cross came in there to get a cup of coffee along with me, and then, as I was back there, too, like, uh, you know, I was actually watching the show from backstage, gorilla position. Daniel Bryan came up uh, right behind me, and he was watching the he was watching the show on, on the monitors right behind me. Okay, all right. Yeah, like, well, um, yeah, yeah. So, so that's cool, man. Um, it seems like with a lot of this stuff, uh, you know, every, all the workers really, you know are normal people, you know, so yeah, it's yeah, kind of yeah. interesting to actually see, you know, to see that firsthand, you know. Yeah, no doubt, like, that's one thing, like, um, I've been learning through this thing doing the wrestling business and all, like, even though, like, a lot of times wrestlers are larger than life, uh, they're actually real people like you and I, like, uh, so, yeah, and they'll be really, and I know they, yeah, they're special in what they do, they've done a lot of great things and all, they're, like I said, like, they come across as uh, larger than life and they want to maintain that uh that whole persona as, as being larger than life but in reality there are people like you and me they, they yeah, they're just living the ultimate dream and uh yep. doing what uh doing what uh, you and i dream about doing or working for wwe and like uh, just living the dream it's just that uh, they're doing that right now yeah yeah well i mean <laughs> I, i'm i'm uh i don't know i'm boycotting wwe's product right now so it's kind of like my WWE dream might be uh, behind me, even though I do know that, you know, they are one of the best crews of all time. Uh, at least, you know, the people that have worked with them, worked for them, uh, you know, I, I would say, you know, I, 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 lo I love, you know, the whole McMahon family and stuff like that. I've never met them or anything like that, but I mean, I have a lot of respect for them, but yeah. it's just, you know, the product, whatever. But I, what I do want to talk about a little bit, is I've been watching a lot of Eric Bischoff shoots on YouTube, and it's been blowing my mind how he's so good at being able to zoom in at a certain time period and uh, a certain shows, and then tell the people what was really going on in those different time periods. Um, you know, I was really thinking about this, man, and, you know, we, we're going to do another podcast uh, sometime soon, and, and, and I'll explain that later, but... Okay. Eric Bischoff does definitely does not get enough credit because ECW 
WCW was picking up steam in 95, 96, and WCW flipped the whole script in the summer of 96 with the Bash at the Beach move, bringing Hogan out as the, uh, the third member of the, uh, the NWO. Yeah. So, you know, Eric Bischoff, I, I know a lot of people, like, a lot of people give him shit, like, oh, he, you know, he, he's a con man, or he, um, you know, doesn't know what he's doing, but really... If you really look at the wrestling resurgence that happened in 96, because, okay, here's the other thing, too, is in ECW, you would see a lot of guys come through ECW that, that maybe it didn't work out with in WCW. People like Steve Austin or Brian Pillman yeah. uh, at the end, you know, with Pillman, um, and, you know, other guys, too. And, and you would, you, would uh, you know, Ron Simmons, and you would see other guys from WWF, too, like that would come down there maybe earlier on, like people like Don Morocco and Jimmy Snooker. So you had a lot of people that were still holding on to their runs. They didn't want to throw in the towel yet. But um, if you really think about that 96 to 97 era, I would say that, you know, Eric Bischoff, you know, Hall Nash, uh, Hogan, and the NWO uh, movement, I guess you could call it, um, really did revolutionize the wrestling business. And, and I, I don't think anybody should be able to take that away from Eric Bischoff. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah Eric Bischoff is a uh, revolutionary in the business, like all that he's done and everything. And and I uh, just think he went from being a former coffee gopher, and now he's, lo- yeah, look at him now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you just sounded like the loose cannon right there, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that when I was we were talking. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious, man. Um, and uh, you know, something I want to bring up too is just um, I've been watching a lot of Cornette shoots, and Cornette's right with. 99.999% of the shit that he's saying. Yeah. Uh, I think that the wrestling business does need to reset. And, um, and and look, here's something we could talk about just real quick. Nothing crazy, because I'm not really trying to bury a guy I don't really know. But what what happened with um, DJ Hyde down in Combat Zone? Definitely noteworthy to talk about right now. But uh, we'll downplay it a little bit, because I don't know the whole story. But everybody is shitting on that guy right now. Yeah, I know, like, I know, it's crazy, like, I never even, I, when I heard about it, like, I'm just gonna, yeah, because I don't really know, like, all the, all the facts behind it, so, like, my, what I learned, what I learned in situations like that, if it didn't really affect me, just to try to stay neutral the best that I can, because, like, um, like, he never really did me wrong or anything like that, but still, I'm not dismissing and saying that what he did was, was right or wrong, I'm just saying that it's, like, uh, I did see the facts out there, but, like, I didn't actually see what really happened, so my best bet is just to stay neutral and just, like, uh, and just kind of, like, like, yeah, I was trying to give, I, like, I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt at first, too, because, like, when you first meet someone, I don't want to, like, judge him or nothing, but, um, because that, that's not my job to judge people, but yes. I just do the best I, I agree, I, I, I agree, and, like, there's definitely a little bit of, like, uh, you know, he, he might be caught in a different kind of time period with, uh, you know, the, the, the way he might look at women's wrestling because the women's re- the women's revolution that's going on right now definitely is not does not have anything to do with you know like a pornography site or some shit like that or whatever or whatever he's being accused of and and it seems like the accusations are really starting to add up too. Yeah, and also too, like with women's wrestling and all, like uh, women. It downplays it because, yeah, like, it, 
yeah, like for them to be associated with pornography, like the women workers, they they work as hard as anybody, if not, if not harder, and yeah. like they should have, they, they should be uh, respected for what they do, and not like uh, just considered uh, yeah, porn stars because uh, wrestling is yeah, a art, yeah. it's a craft, and like by by like someone saying that they're like uh, porn stars by doing it, that's like that's like uh, degrading the whole thing and like downplaying the whole women's revolution when they've come so far and all they've done, like um. Like if you look yeah, on, like I, yeah, like I, if you I, look I, on this, like if you look on this channel too, like uh, the interview that I did, like with uh, Despina Montagas, the uh, the Greek goddess, like uh, just uh, hearing that interview with her, like that, where she like talks about like uh, her experience in the wrestling business and all, and like um, by like um, someone like uh, don't yeah, like like talking about like women wrestlers as uh, being porn stars or whatnot, that's like. Uh, degrading to them too and like uh and women in general yeah, yeah, but Evan, Al, like, I, I gotta stop you i gotta stop you you should be going off uh, what i gotta say though is, is these women are athletes so you know that has nothing to do with pornography nothing yeah no it doesn't so, so so um that's something that you know one you know, I, 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 I just think that whatever has happened has happened, and there's a lot of people that are coming out now saying that the dude, you know, is this or that. So yeah. I just wanted to, the reason why I brought this up, because I didn't want to get too far into this, is because Cornette's got to be laughing his ass off right now because that this looks like this could be another outlaw promotion going down. You know, Cornette's not for this hardcore wrestling shit, and he's for you know he's for bringing back the old school and all that and hitting the reset button on all the outlaw shows. And you know, being somebody who's from the Philadelphia area and that's right over the bridge. You know, I did enjoy going to Combat Zone shows. Uh, I bought a couple of DVDs, but I'm not a, I'm not a fan of some of the DVDs that I bought. Like, it doesn't do anything for me. It's just, uh, it just doesn't feel right. Like, it, when I watch it, it's, it's bland, even though it's hardcore. However, the one thing that blew my fucking mind about being at a Combat Zone show is the promos that these people are doing. Like, Ava Taker is... is it's not even promos. It's just the way that she interacts in the ring with other people and, like, screaming profanity at them and going going ballistic and shit like that. I think that that could be the future of pro wrestling. And, and you know, I, I hey, Jimmy Cornette and I don't care. Jimmy Cornette and I don't care. I have to, you know, speak about, you know, what I think. And I know Cornette might not, might not like this, but I think that, you know, believable stuff is... You know, important, and, and sometimes you know that that does get down to I will fucking kill you and shit yeah. like that, saying shit that actually happens when you're in a fight. You yeah. know, because that's why we're all there as fans. You know, when we go to a show, we are there to see a brawl. Yeah, exactly. That's what we do. Go see a brawl. Go to a and, brawl and have and, a good time. Exactly, and and um, you know, I think that WWE right now is completely missing on that whole concept. Like. Like, they make it into this soap opera thing that's, like, cool for five-year-olds or some shit, but I don't even think if I was a five-year-old, I'd watch WWE anymore. When I was five years old or eight years old or ten years old, we'd be out there with our friends beating the crap out of each other. You know what I mean? That's what we did. That's what kids do. So I don't understand why people... Like, why wrestling has gone in the direction that it's gone in, and this is why I agree with Jim Cornette 100%. We're there to see a brawl. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And, and, and it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a high con, you know, it's a, um, 
what do they call it, a high contact sport? I mean, it's like, okay, well, these people are doing crazy athletic moves. They're pushing their bodies to the limit, and we want to see a brawl. And you know what? I want to see some blood. I want to see, you know what I mean? I want to see, I've been watching all this old school shit on YouTube. Uh, for all the people out there listening, it, it, you know, I, maybe I'm just kind of a caveman, and I didn't really understand that you could get YouTube on a TV, but I've been watching the old tri-state stuff. I've been watching the old Amarillo, Texas stuff with the funks. Yeah. I've been watching, um, you know, NWA Power and the new stuff, but it seems like on YouTube where it's at is all this old school shit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, man, um, I think this concludes another episode of Back on the Road. Uh, fans out there, thank you guys for listening. Please write comments if you, if you, if you want to, and uh, please let us know what you think. Awesome, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Back on the Road.